0: Rack and Fin Radio with Tom P. WPG Talk Radio
1: 95.5. They hydrated when the heat is on. It's going to last through Monday and probably another heat wave coming in by the end of next week. But we shall see. Hey, you're inside Rack and Fin Radio with me, Tom P. Weekend of July 23rd and 24th when the heat is on. The cold water upwelling is occurring. Now we're going into our second week. Captain Scott Newhall timeout chart is an expert putting fish in in the box, and on ice during the upwelling. He's going to be joining us a little later in the program to talk about fishing the upwelling, some tactics, techniques, and some of his favorite baits, and where to look for the flatties. In our next couple of segments, a very special guest, he's waiting outside in the lobby, is John Wenkos, owner of Holtz Boatworks there, 1301 Tuckahoe Road in Marmore. We're going to talk the long history of Holtz Boatworks. Holtz Boats, Boat Maintenance, Boat Troubleshooting, and the Outstanding List of Services offered by Holtz. And also, this is from my end, gets me bouncing off walls here in the studio. Sorry, Chris Coleman over there on the other side of the wall. John's extensive around-the-world big-game fishing experience. But right now, I want to do a shout-out. Very, very long-time friend, acquaintance in the fishing tackle industry going on. 20, 23, 24 years. A big shout-out to a frequent guest on Rack and Fin. I say frequent, maybe twice a year on Rack and Fin Radio. John Prock now. Yes, he is the R&D director for Berkeley, the bait division. Yeah, you heard that right. Power bait and gulp and myriad other... Other projects this man has undertaken have been very successful. Those two are he's most known for, but he's been behind the scenes on many, many, many projects affecting in a positive way fishing around the world, both fresh and salt. Well, this past Tuesday at ICAST down there in Orlando, and I didn't make it this year, did not make it this year. John Procknow now was inducted into the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame. Prock, I'm going to send you this podcast. You'll hear it. Very proud of you, man. I remember when you first started there, I'm down there with Dick Wood, Jack Neal, Steve Brank. If it were watching you, you took over and people long before power bait, there was strike. John came on at times a brilliant chemist. Got strike back on track. Power bait followed. Then Berkeley gulp followed. And it's been balls to the wall ever since. John is not only a gentleman, volunteers a lot of his time involved in charities. And he is one L of an angler. Okay, man, grab that cup, grab that rebel, be right back. Rack and fin radio. John Wencos, come on in the room, John. Holtz Boatworks. Be right back. When you need to
0: know, it's WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and the WPG Talk Radio app. Rack and Fin Radio with Tom P. WPG Talk Radio 95.5.
1: We're talking, uh, kids of all ages and blowfish. Okay, blowfish, simple but fun and great eating and Everyone can catch them. Joining me live in the studio now for round two. It's like Rocky. Rocky 2, Rack and Fin Radio 2 is John Wencos. He is owner of the Holtz Boatworks, 1301 Tuckahoe Road in Marmora. Long history of boatworks, boat sales, boat building in the uh, Cape May area. John, thanks for joining us again in the Rack and Fin Radio studio. How you doing? Well, I'm doing good. Good to see you make, make your way back here to Northfield. And by the way, listeners, this man is wearing a shirt. He says it's Barney. I say it's royalty. That is one eye popper there, John. Did you pick that up this morning on the way? I had a great when you walked Bar- in the studio. I went, whoa, man, this guy is royalty. Barney was purple. <laughs> you got to remember Barney. Listen, to me for two months before the, the uh, tranny dropped. Hey, $250. I picked up this Chevy van that was painted the Barney color. Had rod racks in and back. Had a pull-out bed. I'm all the way up in the Delaware water gap, and the train he dropped in the Worthington State Forest parking lot. After that, I haven't been by that color. Well, John, let's talk boating, boat, the Holtz Boatworks. Listen, we're in the height, the meat of the boating season. Every, hopefully, everything's firing all, on all cylinders, Um, <laughs> unintended. But boat maintenance critical, the point where you cannot Cannot ignore the slightest little thing. Put it off till tomorrow. Put it off till tomorrow. Because that's how Cito and Tow Boat U.S. make their money. Correct, John? That would be correct. And we're awful glad that they're out there to help us when we need it. Oh, twice. We, I was I was on boats that had, had to use it. Used Cito and Tow Boat U.S. Both were on time. Both were courteous. Both were, you know, great. And it got us in where we had to go. You don't want to see them. And you don't want to be fishing. You want, to be, you want to be diving off the side. You want to be having a cocktail on a pontoon boat. You know, you, you charter a pontoon party boat, so to speak, and there you go. Well, John, Holtz boat works been around for a long time. You told me, listen, I had no idea. And I've read the history of Cape May, book one and book two. Holtz was a boat builder here in Cape May Holtz County. Holtz
2: originally was a boat builder, uh, located on Cedar Swamp Creek. They built Holtz boats. And that would be over a hundred years ago. Now,
1: were these were these uh, barge type boats, fishing well, boats, Jersey, commercial
2: boats? Jersey fishing boats mainly. I mean, they were 30, 35 feet boats. They weren't big boats. Mm-hmm.
1: And the they, old-fashioned
2: New but Jersey wood, wood
1: boat. Now, the evolution or the devolution, say, from the boat building to boat maintenance, boat servicing. What's the deal with that?
2: Well, I don't really know the timing on it, but that was 60, 70 years ago, any which way, Mm -hmm. and
1: got into the boat servicing business. Now, you became owner in February February 20? February 20. And I understand you were from the automotive business before, had a significant number of dealerships, so you're familiar with service. That's correct. Retired successfully people from... The cutthroat automotive business. And believe me, I have personal and professional experience with that. What made you buy a, a what made you get in the marine service business, John? What, what were you thinking? What were uh, you not uh, thinking? What, was it a whim? What What'd you do? Well, a couple of things. Number one, I was a customer.
2: And I knew the quality of the work there. I knew the quality of management there. And I was there one day just shooting the breeze. And they saw that it was for sale. And the owner was a gentleman by the name of Tom Tower, who was true a true gentleman. And we sat down, and in about 20 minutes, we
1: worked out a deal for me to purchase it. Time out. In 20 minutes, you worked out a deal to purchase Holtz Works. Listen, it's on six and a half freaking acres, buildings with infrared you know, light heating, so you can work on the boats year. 20 minutes? Yeah, that would be about it. Is that how you pitch franchises
2: in the car biz, the brands? Right? <laughs> if, if a transaction is going to be long and protracted, it's got to be for a more complex business. This is kind of a simple business. We want to service your boat. Mm-hmm. We want to repair your boat. And over the winter months, we want to store and, and know, yeah. work on your boat, do the things that are necessary to bring it back up to 100%. But, Mr. Wangos, you were
1: retired you were retired and you're young enough to, and listeners, we're going to get into this in another segment. This is a fascinating, man. We happen to know some same people in different parts of the world here on the fishing end of things. You're retired. You're an offshore fisherman. You have the uh, the royal slam under your belt. We'll get into that in another segment. Again, just fascinating. Again, what what made you want to get get back in the grind? I mean, this is like a part-time gig, John. Yeah, well... It, <clears throat> For my entire working career,
2: I said that my greatest fear in life would be to wake up and ask my wife where she wanted to shop today. So I needed.
1: Oh, oh That's
2: that is that's impetus enough. I needed to get out of the house. I love the business. I enjoy boats. I've enjoyed them my whole life, mm-hmm. and
1: it's just this is a a fun business and it's a good one. We're speaking with John Wencos, owner of Holtz. Boatworks 1301 Tuckahoe Road in Marmora Round two. This is round two with Tom P. A rack and fin radio. John was gracious enough to come back in. John, oh yeah, you a fist bump on that. I owe you a fist bump on that. Oh, man. What else? Got it going. Uh, John, you have a very, a, a, it's a lean, tight, seamless machine down there. Personnel-wise, you have, you have that big lift. You can handle boats 50 feet. and that lift was just all refurbished. They're completely rebuilt. So, your GM down there. Uh, is who now the former GM I understand is now a consultant what's the deal? Go through the hierarchy. Well, Listen th- this place is it's seamless it's out there. it is primo. this is you're in the work's done and you're out.
2: Well you know, our general manager was a fellow man of Tom Oaks. Tom Oaks had been there 30 or 40 years. he had owned it for a while. he sold it to Tom Tower but continued to manage it. He's right. known throughout the area. He's a high-quality, high-caliber guy who our customers just like to do business with. And Tom is slowing down a little bit. We're all getting older, and and he's on a part-time consulting basis. Getting older, man.
1: You look like you can can kick Apollo Creed's ass, bud. Uh, You're you're, you're in great shape there. (laughs) Only if he's lying on the (laughs) canvas. Now, critical, critical. Again, the way the, the, the power plants are now. Your engine mechanic or mechanics, who are they? How long have they been doing it? And can they handle inboards, outboards, the works? We can handle anything that's built for specific
2: repairs or servicing. Servicing is not a problem. If we run into a repair issue, we will bring in certified mechanics for whichever motor that may happen to be,
1: outboard or inboard. They have access again to, to the Yamahas, to the Merc, to, to Absolutely. All, all involved. anything that's if it's floating, <laughs> we can, we're, we're going to take care of it. Uh, John, another key thing: installation of electronics vital. What boat doesn't have electronics? Some some come, guys want to customize their own electronics package.
2: You do that? We have a working relationship with Martech Marine, and they're they've been in the area for a million years. They're high quality people.
1: With the best technicians and access to all the latest in electronics, so on the overall, it's been it's been a smooth when you purchase it, a smooth transition, just just firing all, on all cylinders as we go.
2: Well, relatively, I mean, like every other business today, uh, you know, when we need extra help, it's not really readily available. But
1: we're going to do the best we can all the time. Yeah, things like uh, woodwork, teak work, fi- fiberglass of all things. I've seen some fiberglass jobs. The person who did that. This should be in a lockup somewhere. I'm not going to say where, in the different parts of the country. Slap job put together. Yeah, you know, fly by net things, I guess. Fiberglass important.
2: You we have see. in-house very, very skilled fiberglass and paint repair. If we do the work, you'll never see it.
1: You'll never know it was done. In certain instances, though, you said, like for, for example, teak work, carpentry work. Will you... Sub let that out, but they have to be some very high standards. The whole standards, only correct?
2: A, only a master carpenter. Mm-hmm. We're not. Uh, we'll We have somebody that that's in there now installing a teak deck, and the workmanship is will rival anybody in workmanship. Done
1: now, now. Again, people are out there on their boats. They're offshore fishing. They're inshore. They're just cruising. For, I guess it was five or six years, I love doing this. I did the Dock and Dine column for, um, it was a Fisherman Magazine sister publication called Boater's Digest. Boy, that was fun. I get my little bow rider, little 125 Chrysler force on the back. Again, cheapy alpha, which never gave me any problems. But now the boating is going on and people aren't thinking, they're not planning ahead. Again, we're going to get to that a little later on, listeners, but... Noticing something wrong right off the bat, a little a little misfire, a little this, you you have to get it taken care of as soon as possible. And for the people that can do it themselves or fancy themselves, another thing I found out: auto mechanics and marine mechanics two entirely different schools.
2: Well, not, that, not that, necessarily. That
1: I found
2: the, you know the best mechanics are intuitive. And Good point. Good they're gonna they're gonna sense what's wrong with an engine and they're gonna be able to diagnose it. Now if it's a major repair, then we gotta figure that one out and and some we can do a lot of it. What we can't do, we'll bring
1: people in. John, the manufacturers, again, you know, your your again, your Mercury's, your Yamaha's zoops, whatever, are they constantly sending because everything's computerized, as you know. Are they sending out uh, to your service? Who's your service guy? Tom Coker, correct? Joe Coker. Oh, Joe Coker? Yeah. He's one of the best around. He's been around a while, has he not? If there's something going on with the boat, Joe knows what to do with it. I had more than three, but less than five people tell me that who've been in the industry, in the Cape, and also up into Atlantic. His name's around.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, he... Joe's been in the area for a million years, mm-hmm. and he's just knows. How'd you
1: snag him at Holtz? How'd you get him to Holtz? Uh, was I, he here when you? He, was he there when
2: he got... Well, I knew Joe from before, but he went to work for Tom Oaks, and he's been there quite a mm-hmm. few years now.
1: So, are the manufacturers? Do they send out bulletins, like service bulletins, uh, uh, things like classes, whatever, like uh, trouble troubleshooting things? Is that is that a concept? Where how do you keep up with it? Yes, they do, but not to us. I
2: mean, we we do not sell. When, when you come in, we're not going to try and sell you a new engine. Right, yeah. We're going to try and fix what we are. We're going to use the technology that's
1: available to us or reach out to get more technology. John, the boat situation, you mentioned sales. How I propose this, this is that's why this guy is the wizard. He is the wizard of the water, I call him. That, that shirt, man, you're killing me. I, I want to take that shirt. I'll trade you. This is an old U.S. real fishing shirt. What do you think? No. No, okay, there we go. But, John... The way the boat sales have or have not been. Now, with COVID ending, I worked uh, two or three boat shows this past winter into early spring. There were some, I never saw this before at the Atlantic City Convention Center. Were you there? Actual lounge spaces where there used to be boats. There's still a pretty good amount of boats there. And I saw some sales being made and some big sales. But the past, I would say, three years, two or three years, repowering has become... Uh, you know, you love the hull. You maybe want to get a new boat. But, John, these things were even what I would call like garbage scale. They, they were getting above, top, like over, hey, over list price. Over, uh, over well, sticker price like, on a car.
2: Like everything else with the supply chain, boats, have, particularly small boats, have been in short supply. Mm-hmm. And as a result. Repower becomes a very, very viable option, and sure. renewing the boat itself. I mean, we can take the nicks and the bings out and and, and mm-hmm. make the hull new, and then it's a question of getting an engine to repower. And higher
1: horsepower outboards are in short supply. So, man, it's a tough gig if you want to get a boat now, am Just Prognostication: How do you see this playing out? Is this going to be a problem for you know, with the chips or another year or two years? What do you
2: think? Uh, probably for the next year or two. What did happen because of COVID is a lot of people who wanted to travel are now staying in the area. And as such, are looking for recreational pursuits. So they're buying small boats, buying homes. Mm-hmm. We're, we're all aware of the real estate values uh, on the Jersey Shore.
1: Uh, tell me about that one. John, before we get to break, one final question. We're speaking with John Wenkos, Holt's Boatworks owner since 2020. Got into it, went from, I guess, would you say frying pan into inferno insofar as being busy and the intensity, it's nonstop, or you're just loving it, man. I enjoy it. It like a fun I retirement, enjoy huh? It.
2: I mean, I look, I look at a boat and say, what can we do to make this boat better? I have done some rehabs on my own. As a matter of fact, several, and we we do we want
1: to do prime work. I expect no less. If people people are up against a break. Grab that cup. Grab that. People say, "What time? What do you got? Cup of Java, man." And there's no such thing. It should be illegal. Decaf coffee again, unless you have a ticker problem. To me, it's like no fat. Do you ever have no fat entomans? Uh, an entomans pound cake. Let me tell you something. You try to cut that, it collapses on itself. And if you can get through it, you hold it up and it sticks to the blade. Little non sequitur. Grab that cup, grab that rev, we'll be right back.
0: Talk Radio 95.5.
3: We're Town Square Media. And along with the awesome radio station you're listening to right now, we're publishers of best-in-class national entertainment brands like Taste of Country, Pop Crush, and more. And when combined with our local brands, we can reach over 70% of consumers in our community. At Town Square, all this digital cloud puts us in a unique position to help local businesses grow with powerful marketing solutions. In addition to local radio, we're experts at web design and SEO, plus targetable advertising solutions like streaming TV, addressable geofencing, youtube snapchat facebook spotify search engine marketing and so much more that may sound like a lot of buzzwords but really all that matters is we can deliver a relevant and ideal target audience to your business with data informed decisions no guessing no waste and you gain a trusted marketing partner with town square media take your business to the next level call our director of sales jim McLean, today at 609-910-5247 healthy life rack and fin radio
0: with tom p wpg talk radio 95.5
1: here we go look out below back inside rack and fin radio with me tom p week of the july 23rd and 24th live in the studio john one cost owner Holtz boatworks 1301 tuckahoe road in marmora talking boat servicing boat storage john i want to get into that just briefly again the um the um, shrink wrapping and stuff. You, one thing, I, again, maybe I didn't touch on it. I missed it because I'm all over the map, as you know. Listen, this is, man, it's very patient bottom work. The whole nine yards. It's more than bottom painting, bottom work. Go into the Holtz. What you guys, the services you offer for that?
2: Well, if if your boat is in the water and you've been bottom painting, over a couple of seasons, you build up a, a, a lot of bottom paint. So sometimes you have to get we no longer can sandblast because of EPA, but we soda blast.
1: And soda it, blast.
2: What's that? It's it's a, a blasting material. It's it's some sort of like baking soda, if oh, you wow. will. Okay. So it's non non toxic. So we soda blast the hull, get it down to the fiberglass, then prime it and put new bottom paint on it. Uh, it's just right. necessary. You're, it's a recommended service after a few years with the build-up of bottom.
1: Hey, John Quest, Ed Holtz. If the customer wants pettit as opposed to interlocks or vice versa, is it up to them. Absolutely up to them. We will we will accommodate
2: the customer in every which way possible. Now yeah, winter storage. What's the dealio? Well, winter storage. We're going to bring the boat in because we're in fresh water. The Whatever. you got a free free wash. Free flush. You got a free flush, if you will. (laughs) And we're away, because we're away from the coast, the air is not salt laden. Mm -hmm. So we're going to bring the boat in, we're going to winterize all the systems. If you have a a head, if you you know, you have a freshwater system, if you've got a salt water washdown. And obviously
1: the mechanicals need to be winterized. John, realistically, when do you recommend, I know uh, most of the boats, and some, a lot of six-pack guys that own, and regular uh, people, like, insurance usually lapses around the 1st of December, middle of December, somewhere in there. When do you recommend that uh, service customers, new or uh, repeat customers, start to call Holtz and like reserve times, reserve spots, reserve storage? Well, we only have a limited number of space
2: for boats under cover. Okay. After that, we're going to shrink wrap, but they're going—they're right. not going to be undercover. They're going to be outdoors. They will be properly mm-hmm. maintained, and we're going to recommend shrink wrap in just about every
1: instance, just because it protects the boat. John, too. That before listen, this is—I uh, is, can't wait to get to this other side. We're going to talk about John's big game fishing around the world. That is so cool. That is so great, and that we knew a couple of the same people out there, but John. The building again with the with you said it's an infrared heating system or something. What what happens in there? So you're I know you close around Christmas week, but you are able to service boats through the winter, then correct?
2: We have a a, a substantial building with infrared infrared heat in it, and we can continue to do work all through the winter, just by bringing boats in and out. But they are indoors. We can do fiberglass work. We can do paperwork. Wow. We can do the, you know, if if there's mechanical repairs, be it a manifold, be it an exhaust system, whatever it is, we we can get to it, and we can continue to work in the winter, so that you have use of your boat in the in the spring. When spring gets here, spring and summer.
1: Now, when when is uh on the boating and uh, from from Holtz in the Holtz universe. When does when does spring sprung? People usually start to show up and want their water boats in the water. Rather what? Late March, April, May. When no, it, it Really depends on the weather. We get that nice spring weather oh, yeah. and
2: everybody wants their boat <laughs> Oh, Let's get so, out. You know when, when's the boat going to be done? Mm-hmm. So we're really. But if we get a late winter, then obviously nobody's thinking about the boat. It can get awful miserable in the water, if, with the, with the
1: late winter. I mean a. Uh, Fifty degree day on
2: the water is That's
1: with the tough, wind man. blowing. Listen, again, even with the wellies, one guy said I look like a three hundred pound snotsickle. It was cold out there, Toget. It went three or four days in the fifties, mid sixties, and then at the bottom we bottom dry, we call it Tog, but I was just on the side of the boat. They could have like a like a Popeye cartoon, they're gonna push me over. John but again, I'm, we're gonna get to the fishing. Before we do, again, you've owned holes since um two thousand twenty. You've been a customer a long time. Just from the two years you've been there, from what you were used to, the big changes, the progressions, the technology in the servicing business—is it just—is it accelerating even more and more at a more rapid pace?
2: There's still basic. You're talking basic services: bottom painting, uh, waxing the hull, shrink wrap. These are all basic services. Mm -hmm. The you get unique for example we've got a boat now we're putting rudder seals in because the rudder rudder ports were leaking this obviously is an import boat mm-hmm. but we can do that type of maintenance and if we can get to it in the winter
1: we're going to do it in the winter and you will you will we troubleshooting you will have experts come in to hold standards for a certain we're going we could
2: diagnose most everything and and mm-hmm. as i said with the rudder rudder seals there we could do that
1: Okay, John, now let's get to Mr. Wemgos' experience around the world. Big game fishing? A very, very small, a minuscule part of the saltwater fishing populace, would you say? That's that would be correct. What got you into that? Well, I Did grew- you go from bluefish to stripers to I went from Marlin to what? Pretty much, I
2: you know I grew up fishing with my grandfather down here, and it was bluefish and weakfish. You're a local and, guy from the get-go, yeah, absolutely. Okay, and uh, was always here, and we fished for bluefish and weakfish, and mm-hmm. uh, Ooh, not weakfish. so much bass because back back when I was young, we had to go up to Barnegat to get, to get right, bass. Right, mean, right, yeah. And uh, you know, bass fishing has picked up dramatically over the last few years, but I had an uncle who was an offshore fisherman and was pioneered down here. Roy Hackney from Hackney's Restaurant. Roy Roy used to he offshore fish before they knew what it was. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Now offshore again, primarily white marlin, tuna.
2: What was the deal? White marlin and tuna. uh, There used to be an Atlantic City tuna tournament the last week of June. It was a two hundred boat tournament. It filled up. And every year, it was sold out. Now, the tuna fish, the cycle happened, and we ran out Out of of tuna. tuna. So, all of a sudden, we didn't have a tuna tournament. Atlantic City had their own marlin tournament, and that was the first week in August, every year. And you had 150 boats there. When we weren't necessarily running to the canyons, which were 60, 70 miles, we could stop short. There was a 28-mile wreck. I mean fish there were more
1: fish now becoming enamored with the billfish when when did that start in your experience that you said this is my thing there are 12 billfish species out there people including nine. or nine, nine. Oh, i thought it was oh, i was just going get a little house was that way is that kind of that in, is that kind of that little weird spearfish thing yep that looks like a cartoon but anyway so when did that Grab you where you've been to New Zealand, you've been to the Great Barrier Reef in Australia, you've been, it seems, everywhere Guatemala. Whoa,
2: <clears throat> I was very fortunate, and uh, there was a, a, a local fisherman, fellow by name Mike Levitt, who is still a friend to this day. Shout out to Mike, and uh, Mike was traveling the world before we knew what it was. Wow, I mean, and I'm talking 50, 60 years ago when getting to Australia was a major deal. And I was lucky enough to have Michael mentor me, mm-hmm. and I was able to travel with Mike. As a result, I got to places that most people don't ever have the opportunity of getting to.
1: So you are in the very select group that have a Royal Slam of billfish. Explain that, please. Well, Royal Slam,
2: there's nine species of billfish, and that's. You sure there's not 12? I'm sure. Okay. That. There's nine species of billfish around the world. Uh, I've been fortunate enough, because of the travel, I've caught all nine.
1: Now, that includes the west coast of California, down to Guatemala, Costa well, Rica. Where yeah. So it took you basically around half the world, more or less, no? Well, geographically, well,
2: geographically more than half the world, because okay. we were in Australia, New Zealand,
1: in the Atlantic, we were in Madeira, so... The Azores, I always wanted to get there for, I'm, I'm enamored again with Black Marlin. Have you been to that? Well, the that Azores are big, you? big blue marlin. A blue marlin? A black marlin only live in the Pacific. That's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think of grander. I get confused. Grander well, black, you, grander blue. If both of them, uh, you know. with uh, Your most challenging billfish and your experience, I mean, sizes vary. I realize that the most the most physically taxing that you've caught an Atlantic
2: blue marlin would would have to be at the top of the food chain. They just don't quit. They don't quit. They don't. And the the thing about billfish, and they, movies don't capture it. They're just exciting. They're magnificent creatures. They're in the air. They go down. They fight you. They greyhound. They do everything you could ever want or imagine in, in a
1: fish. As you mentioned, Phil, John, the old man in the sea, Spencer Tracy, was that a black or a blue? That was a black. That was the world record
2: black. It was caught in 1954 by a gentleman by the name of Albert Glassell, And he had a professional camera crew on board it was caught in Cabo Blanco, Peru. And when they filmed the old man in the sea, They couldn't catch one on their own. (laughs) They bought the footage from
1: Glassell. So, John, now, black, the blues, your experience with stripe, I caught one before, a smaller one, but uh, the stripe marlin, they're badass, man. Plus, I think they are the most gorgeous color-wise.
2: They light up, man. The stripe marlin, interestingly enough, the DNA of a stripe marlin is very, very close to a white marlin. It's actually closer than a Pacific blue to an Atlantic blue. Get out! Uh, but they they are, in, in my opinion, they're nothing more than
1: giant white marlin. And they're a wonderful fish because they're very aggressive. Do you like uh, or have a chance, well, I should say, to, to chase white marlin off the Jersey coast? Uh, over the years, yes. Mm-hmm. Have you done it recently? No. Uh, I'd say recently. I stopped in 2018. Because mm-hmm. I'm seeing some years, cause I, I do some work for a magazine, Offshore Reports. Some years, some periods, uh, be August into September, whatever, they seem to be everywhere. To do, they've reached almost the status of being a pest. Well, and other, so, other times it's where are the whites? Where are the whites? Where are the whites? Where'd they go? Well,
2: they've been gone for quite a few years. Every so often, you'll get a, a good white marlin bite, but it's nowhere near what it used to be. One of the best white marlin fishermen in our area is Pat Healy, who's an O.D
1: biking yachts, and Pat's a wonderful angler. He is, and uh, I remember I, I wasn't on the boat, but I spoke to some people with him. The captain at the time, this is back around 2001 or 2002, a guy named Donnie, and I think Jimmy Donafrio, retired uh, executive director of RFA, was on the boat, piled up the catch and releases on the whites. I mean, yeah. he, he's an animal. Well, it, he's just, Pat's really,
2: really good, mm-hmm. and he's got a good crew, and he's got good anglers. And but he is he himself is a very good angler.
1: Hey, Join us on the Rackavan Radio Studio Live is John Wencoast, owner Holtz Boatworks 1301 Tuckahoe Road, Mamora. We're talking offshore fishing. John's uh, passion. Um, uh, sailfish, Atlantic, Pacific. Good old sailfish. I remember them watching Sunday on the American sportsman, Kirk Gowdy. Things flying out of water. Here I am. I'm a fat ten-year-old kid. Whoa, look at that. Have you had much experience with them? I know they're they're in your portfolio, yeah, but I've, would you actively, by choice, not to not, not to you know qualify for, you know the, the record book, so to speak, but would you go after them of your own volition? Oh, I do every
2: year. Do you? Where do they go? Where do you go? I fish Atlantic sailfish out of Cancun, mm-hmm. and I fish Pacific sailfish out of Costa Rica and Guatemala.
1: Whereabouts and coast, and, and where. Capo, where are you? Capo's? Su- uh no, Los Suenos, Los Suenos. And what about what about what about Guatemala? Uh, I forget the name. Puerto Juarez. I'm thinking of Guatemala. Shout out to Captain Dave Shoal there and Captain Dennis Wheeler, but that's supposed to be one, the Bull Mahi capital of, of that part of that part of Central America. That sail fishing there kicks ass. Well, is it <coughs> I had a gentleman
2: years ago say to me? Don't worry about catching fish where you live, they're only an airplane right away. And <laughs> he was he was exactly correct.
1: I like that. Now, John, one one off for now. It's going once, going twice. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna be keep plugging them on us, people. I have my Rod Caddy certification one more time. So, on your next trip, free of charge, I'll go stick me in a luggage compartment on under the belly of the plane, I'll do it. I will call. Okay, you have my number. We'll be right back. Rack and Fin Radio. That was a very quick break. We're back with John Winkes. Well, John, for thanks for joining us on Rack and Fin this weekend, uh, your next fishing trip is when? Come on now. Give it up. Give it up. I have nothing scheduled. I'm going to wait for the bass to come in. Hopefully, they'll come in before Christmas. Yeah, that's been, again, the stripers. that's a whole other creature in and of itself where – they're, they're one part of the coast up there by, say, for example, Madison Shark River, they're in. Down here, they're not. Down here, they're in. Up there, they're not. There's some crazy times, and there's that three-mile line. Hey, that's one of the things, too, where uh, people are talking about, where the bluefish? Just a little non-sequitur here. I talked to some uh, charter captains who are out beyond, well beyond a three-mile, like dropping for sea bass or whatever, bunker all over the place out there, and so are the big bluefish. They follow the bait. Like well, anything else,
2: they, they go where the restaurants open. There you and go. <laughs> all fish do that. And, you know, we, we've had, we've been attacked by bluefish in the canyons. I heard that, yeah. And, you know, you say, oh, geez. We're, <laughs> but I, you, you want them pound for pound,
1: no fish fights like a bluefish. Yeah, they get, they, man, they give it up. Well, John, before we uh, close this out, service at Holtz, you. Treat the people like you want to be treated. You want service their boats like you would have your boat service, correct? Quality <clears throat> and service, keeping the customer happy is paying them out, correct? You're not, a, you're not a get them in, get them out type of you know, no, high-volume we,
2: we want to do it right. We have a small staff. It's going to be done right. And if anybody ever wants me, my personal cell phone is on my business card.
1: Okay, there you go. Let's just Holtz, Boatworks, 1301, Tuckahoe Road, Marmora, 609-390-3052. John Wenkos, thanks for coming in. Rack and Fin Radio, give me one of those. Give me the fist bump. And I love the shirt. Be right back. Rack and Fin Radio, Holtz, Boatworks. Go with the best. Be right back.
0: WPG Talk Radio, 95.5 FM and 1450 AM, South Jersey's Talk station. News. I'm Carmen Roberts. A guilty verdict for Trump White House chief strategist Steve Bannon for contempt of Congress after he refused to comply with a subpoena from the January 6th committee.
3: Bannon says he did not cooperate because he was covered by executive privilege for his conversations with then-President Trump. Federal prosecutors say given the fact that Bannon left the White House in 2017, that privilege did not apply in this case. Fox's
0: David Spunt Bannon faces two years in prison. It's been sizzling hot in many parts of the country recently. Now it's the Northeast's turn.
3: The heat indices are definitely going to be in the lower 100, so it's going to be a pretty dangerous situation as we go through the major cities on Sunday.
0: Bob Borovac with the National Weather Service and American Sydney McLaughlin shattered her own 400 meters hurdles world record last night at the world championships. Her time, 50.68 seconds. America's listening to Fox News. Your WPG Talk Radio, 95.5 AccuWeather forecast for South Jersey. Overnight, it'll be clear, warm, and humid, low 74. Saturday, very hot with sunshine, the high 96, although it'll be closer to 90 at the beaches. Clear and warm Saturday night, low 76. Very hot and humid Sunday, high 98 in the low 90s at the beaches. Use caution if outside for prolonged periods of time. Monday, there will be a heavy thunderstorm. I'm AccuWeather's Curve of Vinsky on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Rack and Fin Radio with Tom P. WPG Talk Radio 95.5.
1: That was John Wencoast, owner of Holtz Boatworks, 1301 Tuckahoe Road in Marmora. Never too early to start thinking about that boat maintenance. Again, any little problem pops up. I don't know if you want to try to do it yourself. Uh, or, you know, go in and get it serviced. Never again, never to other thing. Winter storage coming up to me. It's already the middle of August. That's the way our schedules are going. Speaking of the middle of August, it's happening a little early. It seems earlier and earlier. The upwelling, the Southerlies, the Southwest, Southeast, whatever winds come up, turning the water ice cold and making the flounder bite just pretty much shut down. But you still can catch flounder, during this upwelling period, I talked to, um, who was it? Uh, Miss light yeah, Uh, Captain Lou, Tom P., the water went from 72 to 56 degrees. This was the other day. I says, "What? Well, yeah, Lou Van Bergen, he's a guest on Racket Fin once in a while. I said, what? He said, yeah, he said, the, the flounder fishing just shut down. That's a big-ass party boat. But you can target them. You can be successful catching fluke during this upwelling period. Takes a special technique, some tactics. Join us online right now, frequent guest, Rack and Fin Radio, Captain Scott Newhall, Timeout Charters, based out of Obsequen. This man is an ace in the upwelling game. We're talking, we're talking an all-star closer. When it comes to catching fluke when the water is ice cold. Captain Scott, thanks for joining us on Rack and Fin short notice. This is early. This is gonna be scheduled in a couple of weeks. But I called you, Scott, water's freezing, what's up? You said Tom P, let's do that segment now. How you doing, little brother?
3: Yo, Tom P, I'm great. How are you?
1: Oh, cold water, man. Fluke had mittens on. What's up with that?
3: <laughs> you got that right. Uh South wind south and southwest wind. Prevailing summer breezes, the breezes and the wind, not just breezes. When you see it jacking up to 25-30 out of the south, that is the big player in the upwelling game. And uh, like you said in the intro, this can really, really uh, put a damper on the fluke. You get a red-hot fluke bite two, three, four days when you have a light east wind or northeast or north. And all of a sudden, you get that a day of that south southwest wind. It's the following day that you get out there and 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 you whoa, what happened here? You touch the sinker, you touch the fluke itself, and right. and again, mittens. Uh, you're talking fur coats. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's, um, Crazy,
1: well, Captain Scott. What actually? I don't I, say it's like the turnover in freshwater. You know, you get down here in South Jersey, that mid-October, third week of October, all of a sudden the bass bite, even a pickle, like everything sort of shuts off for three or four days. The, the heavier water uh, sinks or whatever. The um, the, the warmer water sinks, cold water, and it's a mix. What exactly happens in this upwelling? Could you could you go into the physics of it?
3: Sure. The th- what those particular winds cause. The water on the bottom out in the ocean, it rises to the surface, and then the incoming tide brings it into the back bay. So in your listenership, in in the Rack and Fin listenership, which is uh, south and a little bit creeping into central Jersey, uh, we're big backwater inlet fishermen. It's the biggest in the state. And when that water rushes in, you go from – uh, like low tides, you still might have seventy five degrees at low tide, and all of a sudden you're looking at, at your your temp on the sounder, right? And it, it it's dropping at seventy two. Okay, seventy one. Are we getting closer to high, high tide? Sixty eight, sixty five, sixty four, and then you're talking on the phone to your buddies that are actually out in the ocean, and they're they're saying, "Yo, Newhall, it's fifty seven degrees out here." Exactly. that's Perfect what happens. Now. Yeah,
1: Scott. The, now the flute. Flu gradually shut down once they'll build until it hits a certain temperature. Then, boom, no more man. The uh, the muzzles go on. What's the dealio?
3: It's temporary. It's it, it, it's a very temporary effect. So if you have an upweld, upweld is there such a word? <laughs> uh, you have those cold water conditions, but they remain cold day in day out. They will acclimate. It's the best word I can choose for this. They will acclimate and they will begin to feed again. It's that first day, even two days, that is the most difficult. It's not to say you won't catch fish, but it's going to be a lot slower, and they're just not used to it. It causes lockjaw. I, you know, you're out on your charters, and all the charter captains, we talk about this together in our circles. Uh, you're having to explain to someone that yesterday, you know, they heard how great the fishing was, and the day they, they get there. Uh, 24 hours later it the bite's a lot more sluggish and you have to describe this like you just had me do how the water dropped and why it dropped okay and yeah it's a temporary thing so if you're fishing on day one of the of the upwelling it can get tough now the good news is again that they will start to bite in the cold water they will uh start to feed once again and you will catch fish it's that first day it's a shock to the system they're sure. fish they're a creature of the earth so
1: well, well captain you know. here here's my situation i have one day off and that's Yo. you know and i'm gonna go i'm going fluke and come hell or high water uh pun intended high or low tide whatever and okay how do you the water's cold where are you looking for these flatties, and do you have to pretty much bump them on the nose with a bucktail gulp or a squid and killie? What's the deal?
3: And that's that's the million-dollar uh, question. And, and you have one day, and it's say Saturday or Sunday because most people fish on weekends, and you want to fish and you want to catch. So falling tide is best, without a doubt. So you have tide. I would say go out on the top hour of the top, uh, the rise, excuse me, to your flood tide and then fish the entire fawn because then your water temperature is going to warm up as opposed to get chillier. And as you get closer to falling tide, it'll be at its warmest. As that warmer sun-soaked HTO falls off those flats, it will gradually creep up in temperature. Okay. okay so now, you know, um, it's the mantra for fluke fishermen is... Top of the tide, top of the tide, top of the tide. Here, as you get to the lower portion of the falling, you, that's the tide that uh, all of us so-called experts preach not to fish then as much. Well, it's the opposite during the yeah, upwell. Exactly. You want to fish that falling water. So that's one thing. The other thing is you can try to get into far back in the estuaries, in, into the nursery grounds, get away from the inlet right where the water Is coming straight in from the ocean, and if you get far, far away, think if you use my area, uh, I'll use Atlantic City, Brigantine area as a good example. If you get back into Absecon to Reeds Bay, to Absecon, Reeds Bay, Bay, yeah, I know,
1: yeah, Mm -hmm.
3: all those places, and you start fishing ten feet and the little potholes on the flats. There's a chance that those fish will be more active. They'll be hunting their forage, which is grass shrimp, uh, small juvenile fish species, little crabs, all those things. They'll be more active, so that is one definite way to fish during the upwelling. Another way, and this is more more aggressive, I'll say this is more aggressive. Um, you can try to outrun an upwelling. So if you go, if you're willing to go in the ocean. So let's say you're in South Jersey and you have, if you're willing to go in the ocean, but go way out. So Atlantic city reef being 10 miles plus out there, the further you get offshore, the less the sea breezes will impact the environment. So there is a chance you can outrun the upwelling. I'm not saying it, it will always work. Another way is if you can shoot down, if you're willing to really put some mileage, you can, out of your chosen port, waters off Cape May are not, and Delaware are not as effective as to the north. So you can look at the same charts that the tuna fishermen use. Those guys study wow. those charts, those water temp charts, the eddies of the, the stream and the canyons and all that. Well, fluke fishermen can do that too. And the Cape May area sometimes is Teflon. And against upwelling so wow i mean i know a lot of guys that'll run out of say like a summer's point or even even in atlantic city area and they'll just go 30 miles to the to the uh i guess the i think of south but south um southwest and they'll hit a place like the cape may reef or they'll head out to a reef site 11 and look for that warmer water there it's more resilient so that's another tactic so you're if you want, if you're really an aggressive fisherman and want that success, you may need to be flexible. Uh, and, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, it could be just going deep into the back bays far away. Right. That would be on the lower end, and the higher end would be running 30 miles in your boat yeah, those or are even
1: the, trailering. Yeah, those are, the, those are the doormat hunters. But, Scott, let me get this scenario to you. Okay, in the back, everyone all of a sudden knows this game. And your only option I mean you don't want to walk on boats as you're drifting your only option is to fish farther out by the island where the colder water is are those fish again they're not going to be as aggressive do you have to pretty much bump them to get them to hit are they going uh, to be no, are no, they no. going to be just like a tentative like tap tap bite what do you think
3: they'll come after it the same way but i would I would be more apt to do a, a longer setback to uh, flip the bail, the bail wire open, and free spool it back, and let them let them choke down a minnow or a gulp, and make sure it's there. Don't don't go largemouth bass on them and hit it right away, which you should never do in summer or right. fishing anyway. But let them eat, let them eat, let them, uh, uh, uh let him have the full course meal. Okay. Uh, there's S- no rush,
1: Captain. Would you recommend like one minnow? Or a, a four-inch gulp as opposed to I know you're, you're you're a big bait big fish guy. I know you're big with the six-inch and five-inch gulp. You know the, the swimming mullets and the grubs. Or would you go smaller? Again, that they're not going to be that aggressive. They'll still eat, but and they're going to be more tentative on the chew. What do you think?
3: I would definitely still keep the same offerings, the same thing you would use any other time that, uh, and you would prefer any angler would prefer stick with that. If you can get them to bite, they'll bite that. I would not change bait size. Definitely not.
1: Okay, working a bucktail gulp as aggressively. Not like these the, the yeah. young guys with the ba bop, 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 Or what do you think, I, I, Scott, how more of these, they're going to get, listen to me, you guys are all going to get 10 ice in a couple of years. I'm telling yeah, you, Scott. <laughs> I have
3: you know why? Well, because it, it works.
1: Yeah, so again, keep that aggressive action in the cold water?
3: Yes, 100% you're either going to get the bites or you're not. And what I mean by that uh, to elaborate is the tactic is so effective that if they're willing to feed, they're going to feed with that same effective tactic that an angler hones in. So don't change what's worked in this regard. No, don't do it. Keep, keep doing the uh, rapid fire, the snap jigging. It's extremely, extremely effective, especially for the young folks. Remember anybody listening who's young, Tendonitis sets in at the at, golfer's elbow and tennis elbow Average age 40. I got it at age 41. Pick your surgeon now, boys. Pick your surgeon now.
1: Captain Scott Newhall, <laughs> timeout charters. Thanks for your tips. Lizards, you can catch fluke during this uh, southerly upwelling waters, colder, but Captain Scott gave you some hot tips where to go and what to use. Scott, thanks for joining us. Give that website phone number, please.
3: Timeoutfishingcharters.com. Area code. 385 3729.
1: How's the lovely Melissa Alexander Scott Newhall and Michael Benjamin Newhall? What's the family situation, man?
3: Uh, they're terrific. We're going to uh, keep enjoying summer, try to be outdoors as much as possible, fish, mountain bike, whatever, everything. We're going whitewater rafting a couple weeks. There's so much fun, Tom. Thanks for having me. Uh,
1: hold on a second, Scott. Hold on. What? Yeah, let me see what. Oh Scott, someone just handed me this note. Isn't that the guy that's always writing about trout fishing these days? Oh <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, yeah. And then there's always that. If the upwelling's really bad, go trout
1: fish. Hey, we'll see you on <laughs> we'll see you on Valley Creek, my brother. You take care.
3: You got it, Tom. Have a good
1: weekend. Captain Scott No, oh, yeah, fishing the upwelling, man. That's it. It gets uh it gets dicey. I mean, As Scott says, they're wearing fur coats besides the men's. Be right back. Closing it out. Rack and Fin Radio.
0: The WPG Talk Radio app is your connection to South Jersey's talk station. Get free, unlimited local and statewide news from New Jersey's largest radio news team. Download all of our local shows as podcasts and more. Powered by ambient comfort. For installation to repairs and maintenance, give Ambient Comfort Heating and Cooling a call today at 856-213-6586. AmbientComfortNJ.com. Rack and Fin Radio with Tom P. WPG Talk Radio 95.5.
1: Got do it for this weekend on Rack and fin Radio with me, Tom P. We are July 23rd and 24th. Get after and enjoy. Yes, the fluke fishing is going to be difficult, but not impossible, man. A flounder, as Captain Scott Newell said, sort of got to tap him on the nose, but they will acclimate. This upwelling is going to last through, let's see, Monday. (laughs) Hey, get out and enjoy anyway. God bless America. God bless our troops. God bless our first responders. God bless our law enforcement. Stay hydrated. Very important. Very important. See you next week. Rackin' Finn Radio.